Right, hello and welcome to the first episode of the Shocks, uh, the Shock Radio Sports Show for this year, and a little bit of a change from last year. Of course, we were in the studios, which uh, now is the biggest difference and is is the biggest sort of uh, ball ache, if you will, of uh, doing post or current lockdown shows. But we are doing a podcast this year instead of a radio show, which means less music and and more talking. Which I mean, if people don't enjoy that, then then that's unfortunate for them. But we're going to be covering the sort of usual sports. It's going to be a similar format this year. It might change quite a lot throughout the year, but obviously with it being a podcast, um, it is going to be slightly different. It is going to be a bit more discussion based. Um, obviously, last year we did a lot of talking about scores of matches and things like that. Whereas this year it is going to be more of a general topic discussion, and uh, hopefully getting some decent little uh, topics covered and uh, some expert opinions, of course. Today, I am joined with two Matthews. Uh, so we're going to have to have some distinguishing uh, factor between them. Mm. But we got Matthew Spink, if you want to say hello, mate. You're right, You're right guys. How are you? And we got Matthew Robinson as well. Hello. Glad yes. to be here. He is glad to be here. A lot of people won't be able to tell, but... Um, we have our cameras on, so uh, video formats will be coming in the next few weeks. But for the first episode, I just actually want to make sure that we can get uh, the audio working and do it step by step. But, of course, we'll get into the sports. We're going to start with uh, the football and the Premier League, and then we'll go into a little bit more local Manchester, Salford-based stuff. And then, of course, we'll be going into more in-depth talking about some other sports as well there's plenty of boxing news formula one things like that we've got plenty to cover so we'll start with the premier league and uh now normally you know we talk about scores but i want to talk about uh, things in a little bit more sort of chronological order so we'll start with uh, project big picture now, i don't know whether um People have been living under a rock somewhere. But, of course, these were the plans put forward by uh, Liverpool and Manchester United, namely. Um, however, you know, you'd be, uh, I think, maybe a bit naive to think that it was just those two clubs that put themselves forward. I think there was definitely some some other clubs. I mean, uh, did you guys see much about it? I mean, it was, it was pretty big news. Uh, yeah, I, I, I saw that... Um... Obviously, Liverpool United were the main English teams to be f- sort of running it. Myself personally, I try. I didn't really understand what it actually is. I yeah. saw something about eighteen teams. Um, the Premier League will change sort of the way the Premier League is. Something about the League Cup getting re- removed, or but I didn't really understand the actual what it actually is. To be honest with you. So it, it, a lot of it was it was about uh, money, obviously. And uh, it was also about clubs being given a bit more power in terms of the involvement that they have in in voting for uh, rule changes to the to the Premier League or any discussions made. Um, so a lot a lot of it was to do with sponsorship. So it would include giving twenty five percent of future TV deals to the EFL instead of the normal nine percent. I think that they get. So it would make a huge difference in terms of championship, league one and league two clubs getting more TV revenue from the Premier League. 
but of course, the, the most controversial one, or one of the two most controversial things, was the reshaping of the league structure. So, 18 teams with a relegation playoff, very similar to the Bundesliga, and the championship would remove the playoffs, or uh, have the playoffs, but in a different format. So instead of it being like third to sixth, I think it would be third to fifth. And then the teams in that would eventually play the team in the Premier League's relegation playoff, which would be the 16th place team. So, um, yeah, it would essentially just be copying the structure of the Bundesliga. Um, and then apart from that, it would also, I think it was nine clubs would have voting power, which I think were the, your top six or your big six not your top six the top six is very different this season we'll get on to that uh so the big six leicester west ham and southampton i think were the other three clubs um i can't actually quite remember but a very a strange assortment of clubs to be honest and i think it would be what they wanted was if six of those nine clubs agreed on something it would happen so it was very much about takeovers so, for example, the Newcastle takeover that, of course, didn't happen this year, um, they would be allowed to vote against it. And if six of the nine clubs or six of the, if the, if the, you know, a certain number of those clubs would agree to it, then they could cancel the takeover. Which was definitely okay. one of the more controversial aspects of it because it's obviously you could. You could vote against the takeover simply because it it benefits your team. I mean, Matt, what what do you think this sort of means for the Premier League itself? I mean, is this sort of a trend that we expected? Uh, Matt Robinson, that is, of course. Yeah, um, I did think it was when it when I initially read through everything that they'd almost demanded or they'd put forward. I did think that's a lot of change to make in one. There was obviously a lot of a lot of some of it was to give obviously to reduce the size was. A lot of it is about reducing that quite taxing um, the, the calendar on some of those top clubs who play in so many competitions now. If you you know if you're in a Champions League spot, you you've not got many free midweeks, so it's about kind of giving taking out a couple of games from the Premier League season and maybe giving a bit of time for other things for clubs. Um, but yeah, I think the way it was kind of done put across and that it's only sort of like nine teams have got the say especially the takeover one that was a bit ridiculous that was never going to be approved and then the whole way it was handled afterwards as well with um obviously all the clubs i think when it got put forward all of the clubs bar like maybe one or two like voted against it or something didn't they um yeah, yeah. afterwards even the clubs that were kind of involved in it and perhaps had put forward ideas towards it voted against it because it looked bad when everyone went oh that's not that's not great really um, obviously, the money that they were putting in is good. The, some of the, those lower league teams do need it, the EFL and everything like that. They do need the money injection at this point in time. But I don't really think the issue is as simple as um, let's get the money from these clubs who are then going to benefit basically buying power. Um, I just don't really think that's the way that we want the Premier League to go. I, does this sort of follow a trend, I guess, uh in terms of, you know, the the big six, and we talk about the big six and the power that they have, and and obviously Liverpool and Manchester United are both owned by American owners as well, which was something that quite a few people were, you know, sort of quick to point out. 
um, the influence that American ownership has on football or, you know, they want to stamp their own um, imprint on football. And there was also obviously the talk of removing the Carabao Cup Mm. And um, the, I think it was when I when I was on about the clubs. I think it was the nine longest serving top flight clubs. Um, they were going to give those them preferential votes, which is, I mean, it's it's a massive massive call. Uh, obviously, it was rejected, and like Matt, uh, like Matthew said, the clubs actually put it forward, rejected it. So whether that was because they'd had second thoughts or whether because the deal that the Premier League wanted wasn't what they wanted um, is, is really yet to be seen. And I think 14 clubs voted against it. And uh, I'm not really sure. Uh, well, 14 of the 20 top flight clubs were actually unaware of this happening. So there were six teams that were aware of it. So when when obviously it came out that Manchester United and Liverpool were the ones that put it forward, I think that's the point where you think, mm, well, maybe there's other clubs that are, have, have been involved in this. But in terms of the EFL, uh, Matt, uh, we'll go with Matt Spink uh, for this one. Uh, what what effect do you think this could have? A nine percent to twenty five percent increase in the TV revenue. You know, we've been talking about a lot of clubs going bust over lockdown. We've seen Macclesfield, Wigan, Bolton. You know, so many clubs losing money. I mean, do you think this could be a, a potential revamp for them, or, or do you still think that there maybe more needs to be done, or that there's just too many clubs in England as a whole? Yeah, no, I think obviously them going from a nine percent. TV airtime to 25% would be massive for the actual... Well, massive for them. I don't think it'd be, it'd be enough because... Um, or 25% of the TV time obviously isn't as much as the Premier League. But I think it'd still obviously be a massive increase in their income. But I think there'd be much better ways to do it than than this massive system change that they're trying to yeah. Im- implement with this big picture. Um, I think there's a lot more of the Premier League teams, especially the tops, the quote-unquote top six teams could do to, to help, especially League One and Two sides. Um, it, I think if big this project Big Picture does happen and this 25% increase to the EFL um, leagues does go ahead, it obviously helps them. But whether it would be enough is you'd have to wait and see because... It's crazy to think how football's like lower league teams have struggled so much. Um, well, because of coronavirus, but also just because in general, the lack of attention to those sort of teams at the bottom, um, like they do well to stay afloat as it is. I think a lot of help needs to be given to them at the bottom. Otherwise, the way we watch football and look at football in today won't last any longer than 20 more years due to the amount of teams that there are. Um, I think a, a big thing needs to happen and a big sort of financial package needs to be given to these lower league teams that are struggling down at the bottom just to keep the game like as, as amazing as the English leagues are, to keep it going as it is. Yeah, and of course the, the actual plan would mean that the Premier League would give out the requested £250 million bailout um, that the EFL had asked for. It means that the money would be advanced, drawn from a new arrangement in which the EFL would collectively negotiate its broadcast deals with the Premier League. 
So if Sky wanted to agree a broadcast deal with the Premier League, the EFL would also have a say in how that works. And there would also be £100 million given to the FA, 55 of it to cover the governing body's coronavirus losses. So once, obviously, these running costs are taken out, the EFL get at least a quarter of the revenue and it was it's actually Everton Southampton and West Ham not Leicester Southampton and West Ham so and of course your typical big six as well um it's it's a really strange one and I think a lot of fans were against the idea of having it in place because I mean how can you have a, a tw- you know a 20 league or in this case an 18 team league and have nine of the clubs voting to veto or go against certain or, or or go for certain rules and only six of those clubs have to agree to it i mean then you're talking six teams out of an 18 team league or 20 team league depending on what structure they want to do i mean it's just not fair is it really uh no i i don't think it's fair at all um i think a lot of talk over the years has been uh, just a a tiny bit off topic like in terms of Champions League they like UEFA like to keep the big teams at the top like Barcelona and a lot of like accusations have been pointed to saying like they 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 like let teams like PSG and Real Madrid get away with stuff that yeah. teams like Shakhtar or City wouldn't get away with um, it's, it's because that, it's, it's if, because of what they bring as well isn't it, it it's that brand that they have that brand of yeah. you know the big you know the Barcelonas the Real Madrid they've got that famous that they almost draw people to them. People who aren't quite fans of football might go watch a Barcelona match if they happen to be anywhere near because it's got that kind of like, wow, I'm here kind of thing. A bit like people going to the Olympics who maybe don't really have that much interest in Taekwondo, mm-hmm. but they go because it's the yeah. Olympics. Do you know what I yeah. mean? Yeah, I think it almost comes in tandem with these discussions that we had a few years ago with this European Super League that a lot of the big clubs wanted to create where it was basically just all the top teams competing in this league system um of course it is a lot of these decisions are money based uh but at the same time you could say that it does help the EFL and the clubs that you know uh, that are struggling but at the same time i think um it would be dangerous to to sort of leave the uh, the hands of of takeovers and and rules in the in, in the hands of six clubs only six clubs yeah and and but yeah. it, we'll quickly finish on the we'll, we'll finish on the league structure then the restructure that they want to take place, which is of course, eighteen teams, bottom two go down, sixteenth place, uh, go into a relegation playoff. I mean, do we think that this is a good idea? I, I know it could be to do with fixture congestion, but then also the complete removal of the Carabao Cup. Uh, it, I don't know. For big clubs, I can understand. You can see where these decisions come from. They're all based around the big clubs. But even the yeah. even, even the Carabao Cup is massive for, for smaller clubs. Like Rochdale made £400,000 from their tie away to Manchester United last season. So you can see why smaller clubs would want to keep it. But um, well, how much yeah. do you agree with then? Well, getting rid of as a as a Man City fan, obviously people don't know that getting rid of the Carabao Cup would be a nightmare for me. We're going for the fourth one in a row currently, it's sort of become Man City's <laughs> cup. But um, no, joking aside, I, I do think um, the teams at the top 
obviously have a lot of games to play in like short amounts of time. But the teams at the top also have the most amount of finance and the, the depth of, in squad to deal with the most amount of games. Like if a t- if if a team like United, City or Liverpool wants to wants to contribute in the League Cup, they can still play a youth team for the first three or four rounds and have a very strong chance of getting through. I think removing the Carabao Cup to benefit the top t- top six teams would also is is ridiculous because the top six teams can deal with the amount of fixtures because of the squad depth. If that sort of makes sense. They've got the finances to play those games every three or four days. If they want to, if they want to not play in the Carabao Cup, play a play a youth team and get knocked out first round if you want. But don't sort of take away the Carabao Cup from the littler teams that benefit so financially from playing and getting through in giant killings and and getting through to deeper and deeper rounds. I think it's ridiculous to get rid of like a whole competition. Uh, what do you think? Uh... Matt Robinson, what do you think about the this this eighteen team Premier League? Um, I mean, it's obviously it's very similar to the Bundesliga, or it would be the same format as the Bundesliga. Do you think it's going to mm-hmm. make? Do you think it's going to make that much of a difference? I mean, so what you would if it is eighteen, you would lose two, you would lose four fixtures a year, wouldn't you? If if you take away the two for the home and away. Um, yeah, I mean, four four weekends or four midweeks that you might have to find that time. That is extra time off. You know, obviously, we have seen in recent times, especially with COVID, with the calendar being so condensed, um, a lot of injuries that um, that teams are picking up, um, especially some of the bigger clubs who've... I think I was reading something somewhere at the start, peace, the, back at the start of the dog. season. Yeah, indeed. Back <laughs> at the start of the season where, you know, there's only two free midweeks for some of the teams that are playing in all of these competitions. Um so, you know, a very hectic schedule for, for, for them, indeed. So, yeah, the four games, it would be helpful, but is it really the way to go about it? I'm not, I'm not 100% sure. And I'm, I'm just the way that it was put across this um, uh, Project Big Picture as well, it was almost as if they were just buying power and buying what they wanted. Maybe if they'd said, we'll donate, if they'd put it across slightly differently, uh, said that we'll donate the, the money, or we'll donate this money to help some of the struggling cl- clubs in this time. Um, but we'd like to see maybe some reform in this and just try to make it like a goodwill gesture, but then also kind of get a point across the point they, they were they were trying to get across um, and some of the changes rather than making it seem as if they were basically just buying uh, the power that they wanted. Yeah, I think it's a good point. It is very much that, that sort of money theme of, you know, the richest and, and most powerful clubs get a lot of the power and um i I think that that's that can sort of there is a lot of talk about ownership and things like that these days dodgy ownerships and or you know certain people having plenty of power um and things like that and i think that this really sort of sums up the the sort of movement that football is going in the direction that football is moving towards which is you know money and it is all about money and it a lot of it is about you know, some sort of hierarchy in a sense. I mean, you've got to think about it like this, right? If the big six are afforded extra votes, what else behind the scenes could they be afforded? You know, there's plenty of talk. You know, we've always said, especially last season, Manchester United, the amount of penalties that they were given, you know, things Mm. like that. Who knows if they could receive favourable treatment from Mm. referees, uh, punishments maybe, uh, rules, 
in terms of you know VAR things like that. Clubs are briefed on these rules, but if there's six clubs that can veto certain things, then what do you do in that sense? Especially when you're affording sub clubs more power than others, for example. Like, why should West Ham have more power to vote than Newcastle or Wolves? Yeah. Or you know, it it doesn't make any sense to me. Um, really doesn't make any sense to me. So I think that I think we can all probably say that it wasn't the best idea. I think it has decent intentions for in terms of the revenue for the EFL. But apart yeah. apart from that, there isn't really much there that you would you would you would see and think. Mm, is it going to benefit the game or the you know English football? And I don't think there's really a lot there uh, to to benefit the Premier League apart from the, the, the obviously the, the, your your typical big six. Um, so I'm, I'm I'm pretty sure you two would vote against it. Am I right in thinking? Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. I'd vote against it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, we're talk. Uh, obviously, we've spoken about something that might not necessarily positively impact the Premier League, but let's talk about a team that have had a very positive impact, whether you like them or not, whether you hate them or you love them. Leeds United, newly promoted side under the guise of uh, tactical Jesus, apparently <laughs> Marcelo Bielsa, um, currently hmm. currently sit. In a very impressive, fifth, I think sixth, aren't they? Fifth or sixth? Fifth place, right? Yeah. Um, I, I just wanted to have a bit of a dramatic pause there, but it didn't. It, <laughs> didn't, it didn't quite. Uh, didn't quite work out how I wanted. Um, <laughs> yeah, fifth place. They're doing pretty well this season. They were in the top three before this week, and obviously they. Uh, uh, well, I think they were in the top three. Were they? This Premier League table has been so topsy turvy. Um, <laughs> but obviously, plenty of teams around them winning this weekend. But you have to say, uh, I mean, their win against Aston Villa was absolutely superb. And Patrick Bamford scoring goals. I mean, you know, a, you know, a manager's good if he can get Patrick Bamford scoring goals. I mean, this man <laughs> has been sort of the perennial, you know, Championship but not quite Premier League uh, striker. Uh, uh, we'll go with uh, Matt Spink to start off with, and then go to uh, Matt number two. Uh, what have you made of What have you made of Leeds this season? How impressed have you been? Did you expect them to do this well, or have they taken you by surprise? Well, to be honest with you, when I first um, saw they were promoted, um, I think I, I, in my head I knew they'd stay up just because, even though they've not been in the Premier League for what sixteen, seventeen years, in my head. Um, they've always been like a, a Premier League deserving side, whether that was me growing up as a kid watching them when I was young. Um, but when they were promoted, I didn't expect this style of football. Obviously, they, the first game of the season was against the champions, Liverpool, and they just sort of shocked them in a way by scoring three goals at Anfield. Obviously, they, they, they didn't get anything off the game in the end, but they, de- they certainly deserved it. And again... Um, watching them play against City, just the, the same style of football. I think it's the fact that they're not scared just because they're now in the Premier League to play the style of football that's gotten to the Premier League. I think it's just, as a fan, sort of refreshing to watch a team get promoted and not just park the bus and try and hold out for a 15th or 14th place. They really want to go for the top 10, you know, go for the top six. And why not? Because the football they're playing is just so end-to-end and so crazy. I've heard... Um, 
players sort of describe it as, as basketball, the way they just, it, every time they play a team, they sort of get them yeah. to play their style of football end-to-end. It's, it's crazy. There's plenty of energy, um, isn't there? Yeah, and the players just don't seem to tire. They don't seem to get knackered. Um, yeah, it's just incredible to watch this sort of like new style of football in the Premier League, and it's extremely refreshing. It's, and I, I, I think mm. personally, it's just a shame that their fans can't go to the stadium and watch their first Premier League season in 16, 17 years uh, and watch them play this sort of crazy football that's that's working at the moment. Yeah, I'd, I'd have to I'd have to agree there. I mean, I mean, Matt. Obviously, I think some people were probably expecting them to do pretty well this year. Do you think that they've been favoured by this very sort of odd Premier League that we're having? In the sense that there's there's no fans, um, teams aren't maybe up to scratch as they would normally be. Leeds have a set system that they still feel confident playing in. Mm. Um, or, or do you think this is a true reflection of you know how good Leeds you know really are and, and what a, a job Bielsa has done? Yeah, I think definitely. I think they've done well. I think they are. Don't get me wrong. I think they're benefiting possibly from having um, you know less cup competitions. Um, their fixtures aren't as busy as some of maybe the other the other clubs. Um, but I think they're definitely benefiting. I mean, we've seen the likes of Sheffield United come up with maybe tactics which are slightly different to the Premier League norm, um, if you'd agree, and they did quite well last season. I guess the real test will be... I mean, I don't think anyone really expects them to go down this season, and certainly the form they're showing so far, they're doing quite well, and it's not looking like that's going to be the case. Um but yeah, I think the next year and in the coming years in the Premier League, it will be really interesting to see how they hold their own, especially when we get back to normal football um, with the fans. I mean, I think that they're, they're doing they're doing really well as a club. Um, certainly, I'm from Leeds myself, so you know the city is well and truly behind them. I mean, the scenes you saw when Liverpool won the league when they got promoted, it was the same scenes outside, like. There was absolute. There was people on the streets um, through the town centre. It was it was pandemonium. Um, it was just one of these things that was just incredible. So I think even if they they the form isn't doesn't quite hold up, especially you know when fans get back, I think they're still going to have that support behind them, and you know they've got this momentum that they're, that they're really that they're really working well with at the moment. Yeah, I'd have to agree. I think they certainly look like they're keeping up the trend of. Impressive teams that are that are coming up from the the championship. I think the past few years there's been a sort of uh, we we've seen plenty of teams that are you know implementing positive styles of play and you know interesting systems. I mean I think you know one of the first sort of teams to kick it off in recent years was Wolves. Everyone spoke about this Portuguese revolution. They came up and played you know sort of balls to the walls football. You know, uh, good counter-attacking play as well. Some exciting young players, of course, which we've seen some of them moved on now. Of course, Diogo Jota's gone to Liverpool, which will be fascinating to see how he does there under Jurgen Klopp. And then we've had Sheffield United last season, who are really struggling this season. But, of course, had a brilliant campaign last time. Like, we're even pushing for Champions League football, let's not remember, halfway through and even three quarters of the way through the season. They were, you know, really causing the top six some problems and, and sort of obviously just 
lost it a little bit at the end. And then this season, we've got Leeds as well. So the quality of the championship is definitely improving. I think that there's plenty of quality now. I mean, Matt, uh, do you think in terms of like managers, I think the Premier League is probably one of the strongest leagues out there, isn't it? Yeah. Which one? Which one? Which one? Oh, right. Uh, spink. Spink. We're, we're gonna, oh, yeah, right. Okay. It's left left to right on my screen. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. In terms of managers, was it? Yeah. Uh, Premier, I can't think of a, a league with a stronger set of managers, especially, obviously, 2016 when Pep came over. Jürgen's obviously come into such, like, you think of top managers in today's era, you think of Jürgen Klopp. Um but teams like teams coming from the from the championship with strong managers, obviously Wolves, Leeds, like you mentioned before, I think and uh, Leicester grabbing um, Rogers, Brendan Rogers. I, I can't think of a stronger set of managers. There's so many: Mourinho for Tottenham, Arteta. Well, Arteta's had his critics, and he's sort of a new sort of manager. But I can see him being a top top manager as well. I think it's why this this season is so crazy. It's so unbelievably unpredictable um, and I, I for one can't even predict scores from one weekend I can't think of um, any game where I've correctly predicted what's going to happen and what the outcome is maybe United Chelsea's nil-nil draw this weekend was, was on the cards <laughs> yeah. always but yeah. apart from that it's just been such a crazy season so far I mean what, what do you think is the biggest factor to uh, how competitive the Premier League has been this season? Uh, uh, the lack of fans has been massive. The, obviously, the amount of the amount of goals that have already been scored, I think it's the, the record for the amount of goals in the first six game weeks in the Premier League history or in, terms, in, in English football history, maybe. And I think the fact that fans aren't in the stadium is a massive, massive loss. Well, gain if you're watching it at home, it's, or, or the neutral fans gain, but you can see the difference in the style of football people are playing. Away teams are more confident going forward. You know, um, home teams' defences are slacking a little bit because there's there's no animosity, anxiety. If it's a 1-0 and you're holding on for the win, there's no nerves in the stadium. The players are more controlled. Um, and also, I think, not to blame, there's no fans. I think the lack of a pre-season as well has also been quite a massive. Yeah. Some teams didn't have a pre-season. Some teams haven't gelled together as well as they should do, um, and just the sheer impact, like the sheer amount of games in such a little time, has been crazy as well. I think that's a big impact on the prem. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I think I'd have to agree there. To be honest, I think it is. It's a tough one because there's almost it. Some it's it's almost like uncharted territory for a lot of fans really it's been we've never really seen a premier league that's com- as competitive as this uh, obviously you could say it's maybe the teams are worse this year but, i mean particularly defensively i mean you know you only have to look at some of the score lines i mean the villa liverpool game 7-2 to villa i mean like mm. like it i feel like we sort of gl- everyone sort of glossed over that you know this is a team that was battling relegation last season and they've you know absolutely ripped them apart but then they lose to Leeds 3-0 so yeah. so it, it is really like this this really strange season where any sort of consistent form and you're probably going to be up there 
uh, fighting, you know, top four. I, I genuinely don't know whether this is just at the start of the season. I mean, Matt Robinson, I mean, it, it, would, would you say that it, could this potentially change after January or do you think this is mainly at the start of the season where everyone's trying to find their feet again, new systems, new players, you know, could we see um, a more usual uh, Premier League after the turn of the year? Yeah, um, I think it's it's you know we you often find there is a difference between the football before the Christmas break and and afterwards, don't you? Um, there tends to be some teams who find form quite early in the season and then maybe um, injuries and whatnot set them back at the at, at the other end. Um, so I think we definitely will see a change in, in a shift in this. I mean, as you say, yeah, it's been quite a high scoring. There's been a couple of weekends where I've thought I really wish I had a bet on that, like the goals, because you'd, you'd be absolutely raking it in. And um, just the, the the performances have been it's been it's been quite tricky on the old fantasy as well, uh, trying to predict who's going to score, what's what's going to be going on. It's been been an unpredictable uh, start. Nightmare. Yeah, absolute oh, nightmare. I think I only got about 15 points this week. Um, 15? So, yeah. You're lucky. <laughs> yeah. I think I got about it's, 10. It's not been, not, not been a good start to the season in that respect. It's been quite all over the place, a bit unpredictable. Um, some of the, the players you, you maybe expected, uh, the likes of Timo Werner, not really performing as some people expected him to. Um, you know, some people may, might have said he was were, were thinking he was going to be uh, banging in goals left, right and centre. And, you know, so far he's only had maybe one or two, I think, um, in, in one match week, and that was about it. So, yeah, it, it has been unpredictable, and I think, you know, we are going to see people settle into this rhythm of football without fans a bit more as well as, as, as we start to continue to go to go into that route. I mean, at the moment, there's no sat in, you know, it's not in sight for, for fans to be returning. We're, we've got this new lockdown, Tier 3, Tier 2, etc., across in different areas. So it's making sport and the return to sport and that the the try some of the stadiums which were in a trial uh, phase um, have been pulled out of that and that's kind of not going ahead anymore. So, well, there's rumours yeah, there's rumours of a tier four, isn't there? Yeah, it, it, so, it, it's mm. it's all over the place a bit at the moment. So it's very unpredictable for teams. So we are seeing teams reacting to to the changes, and I think once we kind of get back into the rhythm of things. Um, and especially as the, the calendar maybe calms down a little bit for some team, we are going to see some changes in who's doing well. Um, obviously, uh, the, the league table at the moment is a bit all over the place. So, you know, we might see that shift yeah. back back more to normal, especially like some Manchester United down in, I think they're in 16th place. Yeah, it's, um, it's, it's a good thing you mentioned them because I do want to talk about them a little bit before we start to wrap the football section up. Obviously, there is a lot of football to, to talk about. Um, there, there, there's, there is there is a, another story that I do want to cover as well because it's very much in light of, of what many of us have spoken about with this with this coronavirus pandemic. But we'll, we'll talk about Manchester United first, then move across um, to Manchester City for a second for a little bit of a more somber story. But um, I mean, City aren't doing great either in thirteenth place. I don't know. Whether, no. I don't know whether you knew that, but thirteenth. Manchester City, that, yeah. uh, 15th, 15th Manchester United, a, a real, real poor start to the season. I just want to quickly have a, a couple minutes discussions on each one. Uh, we'll start with Manchester City. A, a lot of problems with them this year. Uh, they've looked very, very average. I've watched quite a few of their games, watched the Porto game, the West Ham game. Yeah. They, 
they they started well against Wolves, but since then they've really, really been off the pace, haven't they, Matt? Spink. Uh, yes. Um, I think I'm going to sound like such a typical City fan right now, but <laughs> injuries injuries have been a massive, massive part of the um, of the, I think personally of the reason we're not doing so well. I think also the players we lost or I've lost over the last years, but even just over this summer itself, um, Leroy Sane, David Silva, to massive, well, obviously David Silva, a massive, massive part of the the core of the last 10 years of the club, but also Leroy Sane, such a young talent just to get rid of for the, the, the pennies that we got rid of him for. I think going uh, going forward, like in terms of our attacking, it's just not looked, for me, looking at the football we played over the last three seasons, even last season when it was an off-season, the football we were still playing seemed creative. Uh, last season's problem was scoring the chances we were creating. This season's problem seems to be actually creating the chances themselves. I've, I've definitely noticed we're not getting as many shots on target. We're not testing the opposition's keepers enough. And I think it's because like I said, injuries, but also because we've got rid of such creative players in our attacking build-up and our attacking play. Players are playing out of position, like Bernardo's been playing in the midfield instead of out on the right, or he usually likes to play. It just seems to be a bit all over the place, and I'm hoping yeah. we sort of find our stride, get players back from injury and sort of go on a run again. But Aguero's just got injured again this week, and it's just all... Yeah, plenty of uh, plenty of injury problems, and again, uh, Matt Robinson, Manchester United, uh, sort of suffering from just poor play, really. I mean, there's plenty of criticism being thrown at Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Uh, it's not a bad Manchester United squad, but they they just seem to be so inconsistent. Signing Edinson Cavani as well for about on you know he's done something stupid like 250 grand a week instead of maybe getting yeah. a, a centre half. You know, it's it's all mm. these footballing decisions that have sort of contributed to to what's been a fairly poor start to the season. Yeah, I mean, it really hasn't been great for them, has it? Um, I mean, there's there's it's it's one of those where it's like, what do you do? I mean, they've got what looks like a decent squad on paper. They just performance wise, it just hasn't been going their way at all. Um, obviously, there's been concerns with with Ole Gunnar as a manager. Does he have the experience? Does he have the what this club? Does he have what Manchester United need? Um, and they did beat PSG, and that was a very yeah, good, they, very they, good they, result. Yeah, to be fair. yeah, they did, and um, you know, but again, against um, you know some some of the other teams there, like yeah, Tottenham, they got they got beaten obviously quite Trounced, quite heavily, yeah. absolutely uh, smashed six one. So you know, it's looking at the performances looking at what they've done well and uh, I guess they're just going to need to regroup and find something from somewhere. I, I don't. I honestly don't know what that's going to be um, as well. And they've got the Champions League as well to, to deal with as well. So that's going to be an interesting one for them. Um, so they're not even blessed with a, a quiet calendar either. So yeah, it, there's, there's a lot to do at Manchester United, that's for sure. Yeah, and, and then obviously just to, to finish off, a lot of people have spoken about mental health in this coronavirus pandemic and, you know, a lot of people are sort of struggling with the fact that we have to stay inside. It was an absolutely awful story uh, that came out the other day just to bring it to light. It's not the happiest topic, but I think that it's something that, that gets brushed over quite a lot. Jeremy Whiston, a uh, former Manchester City Academy player, uh, yep. re released by the club. He was born in Malawi. He's playing for their youth teams after joining the club in 2016. Um, and unfortunately, he decided to 
take his own life after being released at 17 years of age. Um, and I think that whilst this has obviously, I think the, you know, the, 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 the release being released from uh, his club didn't help. I think probably this whole situation hasn't helped with, you know, a real, mm-hmm. a real lack of anything to do. But I mean, this, I think this is a, a very good time to just bring something like this to light, bring a topic like this to light in the sense that, you know, a lot of young lads rely on football and, you know, the fact that he's felt that the only way out or to deal with that situation is to take his own life is it, it, pretty horrendous, to be honest. And it's it's not obviously what anyone wants to see, especially being 17. I mean, you've still got so much life ahead of you at that age. Um, yeah. But, there's been plenty of discussions about men's mental health and of course the heads up campaign has helped within that in bringing that sort of bit more Mm. to light but i think you know we'll go with uh we'll start with matt robinson for this one how how do we tackle this problem is it do, do the clubs have some form of responsibility or can there be schemes there for for younger players to to be able to pick themselves back up after having essentially what they thought was a career maybe taken away from them. Yeah, I mean, okay, so this this is quite a, a, a obviously a, a, a difficult subject to talk about um, and I don't want to try and, I don't want to simplify the issue at all um, in anything that I say, it's, it's not intentional. Um, obviously, there's a, there is a lot of work to be, to be done as a country um, around mental health um, and, you know, us maybe talking about this as well is, is helping in a sense to destigmatize the issue uh, around mental health. I mean, yeah, as you say, there is, you know, we look at shows like, I'm just going to take this slightly off topic here. We look at shows like Love Island um, and the aftercare that some of those stars receive um, after, unfortunately, two um, tragic stories that came out of that show uh, where two former cast members decided to take their own lives. Or presenter as well. And and, uh, and the presenter as well, actually, as well. It's a, a very good point. I think it's one of those things where they're, they're in all sense, in all walks of life, there needs to be some more support um, and also people aware of where to find that support. You know, it, it's it's a very complex issue and it's not as simple as... Um, I mean, I'm, I'm in no way qualified to talk about it, but it would be great to see some action come of this, um, something happen um especially you know with the likes of man city maybe some sort of campaign that can come out of this um would be fantastic to raise awareness of the struggles um and also to put some measures in place to prevent this happening again with other clubs and with within themselves so i think it is something that's needs to be talked about and i'm glad you've brought it up um it's it's it is obviously a complex issue that doesn't just isn't just football and it is in every walk of life um and i i just want to reiterate if anyone's listening to this and they are they are struggling we'll we'll provide some links or some resources yes um, as well yeah. if, if you're a salford student as well there is lots of information and well-being support on the salford uh salford student union website um there's lots of resources there um there's the ability to talk to someone through the peer-to-peer listening service rafiki um, it's something that I'm a, a big advocate of. Um, so I think we'll just me- just like to mention that as well. 
uh, to go along with this discussion. Yeah, no, very well put. And um, Spink, Matthew Spink as well. I mean, you know, for, for obviously there was tributes paid by Sterling and, and Laporte as well. Um, do, do you think that this will open the door for a more detailed discussion? I'm sure most, I'm sure all three of us here have been through points in our lives where, you know, it hasn't been the most fun, it hasn't been the most appealing, and you've you've thought, you know, it, you have. I'm, I'm sure we've all struggled at some point, as everyone does. But do, do you think that this will help open up a conversation as well for for young lads trying to get into the game or ones who've been out of the game through injury or releases? I if if it doesn't, I think it does need to because. Um, Obviously, both points you you both just mentioned there. Conversations about mental health is is extremely extremely important. I think one way to relieve mental health and help with people with mental health issues is to talk and let people know it's okay to face problems like this and face um, your own sort of inner thoughts and deal with them and and have people there to help. I think it's obviously extremely sad. Um, the news about the the seventeen year old, the young lad, he, with such a career ahead of him, just because a a top team like City let him go doesn't mean he didn't have potential. But obviously there was no help given for him, and I think help needed to be given to him. Um, it's such a such a worldwide sport like football. I think is extremely important, and it's an extremely good platform. Um, obviously social media like Instagram, Facebook is a good platform, but football's known worldwide. So, um, obviously, I think it's a very good thing. Uh, I don't know the Royal Family very well. Was it Prince William did with the Heads Up FA Cup? I, I think it was Prince William. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, but the Heads Up campaign and obviously the documentary he did where he got former footballers and he's got fans um, and shone a light on mental health, which is the most important thing to do is to shine a light on it. Uh, I think football could do so many campaigns and, and really really get out there and help former players with mental health but also fans with mental health help them talk about it you know down the pub with your with your mates you know if you see players or your your, your idols and your and your, your big stars talking about the issues of mental health it will help fans especially young lads like as role models come out and talk more about their own mental health and i think it's extremely important um especially a young like amongst young men like as you say we probably all face some form of mental health in our lives, and it's, I think it's important to shine a light on it now and sort of get people talking about it, especially in especially in the world we're living now with, like, literally living in isolation, quote quote unquote. It's extremely important to let people know you're not alone. Yeah, and uh, of course there is there is a GoFundMe page that has been set up for Jeremy Whiston's family as well. So if anyone wants to uh, show their support and help the family as well through this. I'm mm. sure. I'm sure no amount of money will will really, t- you know, ease the pain that they that they're going yeah. through at the moment. But every little helps, and, and you know, let's just hope that this this brings up uh, a bit more of a, of a of a conversation with it as well. And if we move on again, another man who has made a a lot of headlines because of his comeback from his depression, Tyson Fury. Um. of course, has announced that he will be having a, a new fight on December the 5th. He hasn't 
uh, actually revealed his opponent, though. Uh, he said that he will fight on December the 5th, but no one knows who it is. It's a mystery box of boxing fighters that he could potentially uh, fight. Now, off-air, off um, Matt Spink, he said it could be Deontay Wilder. But um, I don't know. Is that too expected, uh, Robinson? What do you think? What if it's um, what's he called? Tommy Fury, Molly May's Molly Molly May's boyfriend. Oh no, <laughs> what if he no that, that that would be fights his nephew or whatever he, whatever relation he is to him. Is it his half no. half brother? I think it is. Yeah, something like that. Um, yeah, no, I think it is going to be interesting one. I mean, it's it's a different style. Normally they announce the the fight. So if it was a, a Fury Wilder, I feel like they would have announced kind of that as a big thing. Whereas maybe it's just like another. Do you know what I mean? I feel like they would have had a, a yeah, bit more promotion yeah, to yeah. it um, if it was a big fight or someone. But if if it's just if the draw is that it's Tyson Fury and that's not really against a real or a very uh, a fighter who's perhaps in his league, um, then yeah, this might be the way the way they do it. But I mean, it's, it's an interesting one anyway. Um, I guess we'll have to wait and see. I mean, in, in fairness, you know, it would be pretty funny if he'd built up all this hype around a mystery fighter and then it just turned out to be Deontay Wilder. <laughs> um, of course, as, as big of a fight as that would be, of course, you know, it would be, I, I'd imagine some people would be like, oh, it's a third one. You know, I'm pretty sure we were all a little bit downtrodden when they released, uh, when apparently Wilder and Fury had signed a contract for a third fight. I think most of us were thinking, oh, we don't need another one. Mm. Um, but of course, it's gonna be. I think you said it was gonna be in London. If I'm right in thinking, I hope it is now because I'm gonna look like a right idiot if it's not. <laughs> um, but I mean, we, you know, another big, another UK fight would be would be really good. Hopefully, we can have fans in by that point. Um, but let's be honest. It, even funnier. Let's, if it sorry to interrupt, if it wasn't wild, even funny if it was AJ, and even more mystery behind <laughs> oh, it, and the release can, AJ is yeah. big. Can you imagine the hype around that fight? I think it's more likely to be just a just a um, a fighter just to get him back in back in his motions. He's obviously not fought this could, year because of Corona. Well, it could be Khabib. You never know. He's retired from the U. <laughs> he's, he's retired from the UFC. Maybe he's getting into the mm. boxing ring. We never know. Um, I think in terms of height and reach, I think Fury's got a little bit, a little bit more reach on Khabib. Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> Tyson Fury's absolutely massive. He's a, he's a... no, I do think it. I think it'll be a, you know, Fury will be the main attraction of the fight. I think whoever he's fighting will be very lucky to be fighting a man like Tyson Fury, but also very unlucky to be hit in the face by by a man like Tyson Fury. <laughs> yeah. I think it really should be someone that Fury can get like work through the gears and like you know see see it through the 12 or 10 rounds whatever it is or just want to knock out in one round if he wants to really someone just to get him back on his feet and get his muscles working again maybe it's Jeremy Lynch <laughs> I'd love it to be Jeremy Lynch Jeremy Lynch or Man Like Hacks one of the one of those two he's probably or... not Jeremy Lynch in the first show back <laughs> that's brave that that's brave that I guess our audience boosted yeah Jeremy Lynch, if you can you're clickbait listening, that. Clickbait the clip. Jeremy Lynch, if you're <laughs> listening, you better be fighting Tyson Fury on December fifth. Otherwise, I'm going to be very annoyed. Um, but of course, uh, more sort of, I guess the biggest fighting news story is uh, is Khabib. 
The man himself, he's retired. Yeah. He has retired one of the legends, you could say, of UFC. Well, he is he is a legend of UFC. The GOAT. 29 and say. 0. 29 and 0 in his career. The only UFC fighter to ever retire unbeaten. I, I was thinking this. I think, sorry again to interrupt, but I think 29's not very much a round number. I think he's done it on purpose. Obviously, obviously, he said he's doing it because for his dad, which I respect massively, it was his last, his dad's last wish or something along those lines. But 29 and 0 does does scream for like two, maybe three years down the line for him to come out of retirement. Maybe McGregor make it 30. You know how much money he would receive for that. I, I, I think it would be I, unbelievable. I, I do love the story, though, to be fair, of, of his dad unfortunately passing away and him mm-hmm. dri- driving him to, to, you know, retire and beat and, and things like that. Um, oh, 100%. 100%. I mean, Matt uh, Robinson, uh, you you do like your UFC. Uh, do you think this is the end, or do you think he will come out of retirement? Because it is a little bit annoying that it's 29. I, I'm one of those, like, really sort of OCD people that, that likes a round number, and it's just really yeah. bu- bugging me that he just couldn't have one extra fight against some dosser, you know. Some, just some really, just some, just <laughs> yeah, some like, just, anyone. just, just some, all, like, I'll go in there if, if, if it needs be, do you know what I mean? Yeah. I'll take a knee I to mean, the chin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, it, it's... As you say, I mean, we've seen it. We've seen it before. You know, fighters announce retirement, and um, quite quickly afterwards, they come out of retirement for that fight. Um, you know, they often get a lot of money to come back because uh, it can be titled as like marketed as that big, you know, after retirement fight. So we might see it, but you know, he did look very set on that being the end. Um, obviously, in his, he's got a re. I feel as some people don't really have that reason, whereas he's got that motivation he's done what he wanted to do and now that's it so i, I think it very quite it really realistically could be the last time we see him fight properly um but potentially not i mean there's always a chance isn't there if the money's right some people uh i'm, well, I'm sure most people would uh, would consider it anyway especially with the talent that he's got yeah and uh, you know if he does decide to to go into boxing or, or something that would be quite interesting to cross over um I wouldn't mind having him as like a personal assistant, maybe, <laughs> uh, or like a bodyguard if he wants to do yeah. any bodyguard work. You know. Oh, I think he'd be signed up by well, anyone. Well, See him <laughs> still outside the door. Five forty twos when it reopens. <laughs> yeah, if anyone uh, you know wants to club around Manchester safely, I'm sure you could hire Khabib as your bodyguard. Uh, Once I, what, I think <laughs> factory I'm, in the I past they've uh, had some wannabe UFC fighters there. Yeah, I was. I was, there I, as well. Yeah, I was one of them. I was always in there with the crowds. If anyone said, if anyone said anything, you know, see their swinging fists. Um, now I think uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens with him. I think it's a shame. Obviously, the sport has lost a big personality. Um, so you know, it's going to be. I guess it's a new gener. There's going to be a new generation of fighters anyway. You've always got to go through this new cycle. So. Um, Wonder who can? Uh, wonder who's going to be taking over next as number one? There's there's plenty of uh, hype to live up to. And another man who's broken records as well as we come to the end of today's show is none other than uh, Mr. Marmite himself, Lewis Hamilton. Um, <laughs> beat the goat, well and truly the goat, undisputed. Meh, that's a sheep. Never mind. That's um, a sheep. Yeah. <laughs> now. Uh, 
BBC uh, reporter, Five Live presenter, whatever you want to call him, David Coulthard said that... Uh, is it Coulthard? Coulthard? How do you pronounce it? Um, he said that he should get uh, a knighthood. Hamilton deserves a knighthood for his efforts. He's beaten uh, Schumacher's record um, of, of uh, race wins, I think. It is race wins. Yeah, isn't it? yeah. it is. It's, he's, he's, Schumacher's record was 91 race wins and Hamilton's now won 92 races. Um, and he's still going strong. He's looking like yeah. he's 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 good for the rest of this season, and I, I think his contracts into the future as well. So, you well, know, I, I think mean, he um, really is he really is setting records of his own at this point. And um, yeah, I think good on him uh, as well, especially with some of his work that he's done for charities, ra- raising awareness for for lots of different things, including the Black Lives Matter movement. Done a lot of work for that mm-hmm. as well, where which is you know admirable, of course. Yeah, I th- I've. I th- been on Twitter, I've always seen a bit of a mixed opinion of Lewis Hamilton. I've seen some people say that he's a bit arrogant. I've seen some people say that they love him, but um, yeah. you know, of course, Toto Wolf, uh, Wolf as well has said that uh, there's no concerns about him leaving Mercedes. Of course, that would be the, the question. But why would why would you why would he leave Mercedes? He's he's been dominant at that yeah. ever since he joined that team. Um, you know, I remember I, I I do I remember he was really really struggling. At one point, and he's joined Mercedes, and ever since he hasn't looked back since then. Really, um, he's been absolutely superb. He's won so many races. He's dominated the sport. He's a big personality for Formula One as well. You know, everyone knows who Lewis Hamilton is. Um, you know, I think it's great. I think it's great, and it's nice to have a British sports person, if you want to call Formula One a sport. I think it is. Um, you know, achieving the very very top it's not too often that we you know uh, we're blessed with uh, such a talent so um mm-hmm. you know it's it, it's good to see and mm. schumacher as well was an absolutely brilliant racer as well so it really puts into context how good hamilton really is um does he deserve a knighthood is it knighthood worthy i think it is it's, it, i think like you, you think f1 especially in britain you think lewis hamilton even not in britain uh, he's sort of been the face of Formula One since I've 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 known the sport existed. Anyway, uh, I'm not the massive F1 fan, but I do think F1. The first name I can always think of is Lewis Hamilton. And of course, uh, I think. Well, if if Marcus Rashford has an MBE for all of his fantastic uh, charity work, uh, which I'm sure we'll we'll have to speak about. Uh, I'm sure we'll speak about next week once more progress has been made in that in that sort of front. Um, you know. I think he does probably deserve an MBE for his achievements. Does he? Does he have an MBE already? I think. Uh, I, I know he's he's met the Queen. I think. Oh, does he have? Uh, actually, I, don't I think know. he possibly might have some kind of honours, OBE, yeah. MBE. I'm not sure. Yeah, it's one of them. I believe he already has. And, I think a knighthood's the next step. Knighthood. Yeah, he's an MBE. He's an MBE. Damn it! <laughs> <laughs> messed up there. Um, yeah, no, I think I think a knighthood. I don't know. Mm, I feel like it would be a little bit over the top, maybe. I mean, if he'd if he'd have saved the country from mortal peril. I mean, you know, you you look at some of those some of the sports people who have been been knighted, though. You know, likes of like Sir Steve Redgrave, people like that yeah. who have gone to new levels in their sport, and he is undisputedly the. Yeah, best that's true. What, that is true. What, what, what he that does. So I mean, you know, it, it certainly certainly would be warranted if if it did happen. Yeah, I think uh, I think most people probably agree that yeah, it probably is deserved, and um, mm. 
I think that plenty of people would, would like to see him get one. But that is going to be it for today. Plenty covered. Of course, um, if I do post this on YouTube, just as even as an audio piece, um, we will put in links to Rafiki, of course, Mental Health mm-hmm. Charity. There's, there's a few Instagram pages that I've personally used myself as well, which I will link in the de- description. Um, make sure to take care of yourselves, of course. Thank you for listening. It's going to be a, another cuff, a rough couple of months, especially if this Tier 4 is put into place. Mm. Um, I think I might have to go to Tesco and just stock up on three weeks' worth of food. <laughs> um, but Matt and Matt, thank you for joining me. Yeah, thanks uh, for having me on. Thanks for having me. Cheers. Plenty of of more sports happen during the next course of the week. We'll try and fit it all into one hour. It is pretty difficult. um, But I think we've done a pretty decent job today. So make sure to take care of yourselves, everyone. Uh, Thank you for joining us, and we hope to see you soon.